welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am the moderator, and I'm here with Chuck, Father Chuck. Hey, and I'm like, actually, I'm in, I'm in my black dress tonight. <laughs> you are. You're looking like me. Yeah. yeah. Gonna stop some bullets. Ye- uh, yeah. You know, you know I, I realize we haven't, we haven't talked about the fact that there's this rumor that they're gonna reboot the Matrix. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, the Matrix. I mean, it's not. I, I mean, it's it's a pretty done deal. They've got a script, I think, that, that they're working on right now by Zach Penn, the wonderful Zach Penn, who wrote a bunch of stuff that gets rewritten a billion times by other people. Yeah. So um, that that's out there. That's a thing that's happening. Apparently, it's a prequel about Morpheus. That's that's the whispering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when the Matrix was so awesome because there had never been anything like it before? Yeah. How how cool would that be if something like that happened again? We don't do that anymore, Chuck. I know. As we mentioned in the last episode, uh, the month of May is what we're going to be referring to as Music Mayhem. Yay! Uh, basically... Each week, we'll have an album that one of us has chosen to uh, spend the week listening to. And then when we convene for our episode, we're going to talk about uh, why we chose that album, what we love about that album, our favorite songs, our favorite lyrics, everything we love. We're just going to talk about that album. And um, we're going to try to incorporate uh, the entire Masters of Divinity family. So not just me, Chuck, and Matt, but also hopefully Father Fun and Keelan. And um, this week... We are opening it up with um, my choice, which is Green Day's Dookie. <laughs> is good? That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, this We're week, talking Dookie. Uh, this week, though, is a little interesting. Uh, it's going to be kind of the format's going to be kind of different because, uh, you know, we have a crazy week this week and uh, schedules are kind of weird. And so we're actually, I'm actually recording one on one with uh, Chuck and Matt individually. Uh, so right now I'm recording with Chuck, and uh, there'll be a part two, or a chapter two, or whatever you want to call it, where I'll be recording with Matt. I realize it's kind of it's kind of like this is sort of like the White Album, right? Is like, it? yeah, because like what what makes the White Album so notable in the Beatles' career is that the um, is that it's basically a collection of singles, like of solo acts kind of working with each other because everybody wrote their own stuff and they weren't really talking to each other. They were angry at each other when they made it. Not that we're not talking with each other, angry at each other here at Master Divinity. I don't want to start that rumor. Um, just that, you know, we're, we're just, Matt's got a, got a chaotic schedule. I've got a chaotic schedule. Um, and so this is, this is how it's going to work out. So we get to be creative and, and this is, this is our white album. Yes, sir. Maybe. I guess so. <laughs> we're we're going to do a whole episode. That's all in reverse one day. <laughs> that would be actually pretty funny. So I chose Dookie by Green Day. Chuck, do you know why the the album was called Dookie? I do. Um, it's because the band, uh, because I too read Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, the band, uh, the band suffered from um, intestinal issues due to eating um, less than fresh food while on tour. That is very true. Yes, that is the uh, only fun fact I have about the. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, we talk about the acclaim that this thing has had. I mean, it's it's I, for I don't know what like any any of our younger, more millennial listeners realize. This album was a monster. Yeah, like it when it came out. I mean, 
Basket Case was enormous as a single. Yeah. And um and 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 that idea of it introducing, you know, kind of helping to mainstream punk rock as a musical style is absolutely true because I didn't know it. I mean, I I, I shouldn't use myself as a perfect example because I grew up in a very conservative fundamentalist Baptist upbringing. But um, but for the most part, punk rock was just sort of relegated to some clubs and things to the side. You know, there were, you know, there were some punk influences into the new wave movement, and things like that. But for the most part, um, punk was just not well known. And then it was suddenly like a thing. Yeah. Like you didn't see punk music videos in MTV in the nineties, like in the early nineties. Right. And like Nirvana, I mean, Nirvana did a big, did a really good job. I mean, did a, did a, they played their part in introducing oh, yeah. sort of a lot of the punk rock element because they were very inspired by punk rock. But Nirvana is definitely not a punk band. So, Chuck, the reason why I chose this album, I guess because it just sort of represents uh, sort of awakening uh, for me. I sort of told the story last week, my 13th birthday. It's the first time I was given money as a gift. And I decided I wanted to buy music for the first time. This is my first time ever doing that. And uh, I bought three albums. I bought Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, uh, the Twister soundtrack, because <laughs> of a Van Halen song, and uh, uh, this one, Dookie by Green Day, uh, because I really liked the songs Basket Case and When I Come Around, which uh, had been in sort of really heavy rotation on MTV uh, and on the radio. Keep in mind, you know, that, that was the only way we listened to music if we didn't own the album. Right. Uh, so heavy rotation was not exactly a bat, like a horrible thing, because that's the only time you could catch it. And the reason why this particular album, out of all of those albums, resonated with me the, the most is because it was so. Uh... First of all, I, I know I, I could recognize at the time that it was made by young people. Hmm. Okay. Um, because of the artwork on the album, uh, because of the way uh, the liner notes were written. And just the the sound and the lyrics were talking about things that, like, my friends and I joked about or um, things that turned me off or things that uh, made me happy. It was the first time I sort of recognized that in an artist at that age. I'm with you with the album. I, I first heard it when I was in fifth grade. So you actually purchased it later. Yeah. Which, hey, so did I, because I grew up in a fundamentalist household where I couldn't own it, so I had to kind of bide my time. But um, I first heard the song, um, my, my, my buddy Josh and I, we would go, um, we would go ice skating mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis, and they would play it at the ice skating rink. And that is how I first, that's a basket case, that's, they would put a basket case at the ice skating rink, and that's how I first learned of it. And it was just like, it was just, it was unlike anything that I had heard because it was aggressive, but it had a melody. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. Like when I finally got around to getting a hold of the album and listening to it, it was because I, as I, as I mentioned in the last episode, I snuck it from my friend Patrick and snuck it past my mom. But I, um, I, listening to it, I, I found it very relatable. Yeah. Which is weird because I was a, I was a, you know, I was a fundamentalist Christian kid, and but that that idea, yeah, of like, I, I guess in my head, I didn't think of it as this was someone else so young. Yeah, but I did catch like someone kind of put into music some of the feelings, the sort of general malaise and sort of directionless feeling that I had in my early teens. That you know later on when I really got a chance to listen to it, right? Um, was yeah. So so I agree with you. Like that's 
And I think that's one of the reasons why people of our generation gravitated to it, because I think it captured a, a, a chunk of our society right. that had not really, that no one really knew how to give language or voice to. Mm-hmm. Um, that there were, that majority of us. Yeah. It's like not quite Nirvana. Yeah. You know, Nirvana had like a, yeah, Nirvana had like a, like a really urban, um, I mean, drug culture yeah. and, um, and like, Kurt Cobain and his buddies were like, they were a group of people that you just did not associate with when you were in high school. Yeah, like when I was thirteen, I wouldn't understand. I wouldn't have understood a single thing that guy was talking about. Like, right. So a bit beyond and above me, and like, you know, you're you're an old person, <laughs> you know? right? But like, but like Billy Joe and his and his cronies, like what they were talking about is the sort of stuff that me and my, like you said, you, you know, you and your friends, me and my friends, that was sort of our. Yeah, like that's sort of the way yeah, we felt. Because like, I, I went to school with these kids. Like, yeah, like I wasn't a super athlete, and I wasn't a super brainy kid in 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 school. So, like, where did I fit in? Yeah, bored a lot. Yeah, bored that's what a primarily lot. what this album was about: is being bored. <laughs> right, and like, I mean, I was listening to this kind of stuff and, and introduced to sort of you know pop punk um, when I was living um, in what my mom prefers that I call a mobile home community <laughs> or a manufactured home community. Uh-huh. Um, but what is more accurately described as a double wide trailer. And, you know, and, and that was the thing is like, there was like maybe, maybe three other kids in the entire development. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I didn't have a car. None of my friends in the live nearby, except for the kids that I played with on occasion, whenever they were around. It, I definitely felt that sense of just like, there's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, except play video games and just lay about and daydream and, you know, stuff that kids don't have to worry about now. Talk about they have girls or hopefully find a girl. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you're like, like, how's that even going to happen when there's not a single one in my neighborhood? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was an, you know, I was a skateboarder, but there was like nowhere to skate because it was like the trailer park and the, asphalt was chewed up and right. yeah it just like it just captured that kind of angsty like like i'm not poor and i'm not rich i just don't know where i fit like it's just yeah capture sort of the youth culture i guess i guess you would say we were sort of the children of like the, the mid to late 90s and that's sort of what this yes. i think this album represents the most yeah i as i think i've said before i tend to I tend to think of us as like what I'm calling the, I, I'm, I'm going to call us the Nintendo generation. Um, that we're sort of a, that we, we're not really millennials and we're not really Gen X. Well, our, our official demographic, and I just found out about this over the weekend is that we are old millennials. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not accepting that. <laughs> we are the Nintendo generation. Uh-huh. And that's because, that's because, um, um, Matthew Lillard's character, serial killer in hackers, says that we are the Nintendo generation I'm, I, and I will accept it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, we fit into this weird thing where we, we really started coming to age in the mid nineties mm-hmm. and like our experiences are things like, like we experienced the mall, but not like in its heyday, like in the eighties, right? Like when the mall was kind of starting to decline and when society as a whole is starting to talk about like sort of a spiritual impoverishment in the suburbs and exurbs, mm-hmm. And all of these, you know, a lot of our and, and like it's our parents' dreams that are kind of like, you know, our say our parents, our parents' generation's dreams are kind of like largely turning out to not pan out. Yeah. And we're sort of inheriting that. And there's also that bit that sort of 
Chuck Palahniuk captures in Fight Club, where it's like there's no war, there's no, there's nothing really defining us. We're just there. It's just it's perfectly situated between the Cold War and 9/11. Yes, and I and I will say just if, if we're going to use tragedies to define a generation, I will say that I think there are two tragedies that define our generation, mm-hmm. and that would be um, the Challenger disaster, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, okay, and Columbine. Oh yeah, Columbine totally. Yeah, uh, but you know, um, that's actually that's a, so, that's a conversation for another time. But I, I, I'll, I'm probably going to bring up Columbine later because that, that was oh, okay. <laughs> um, so Chuck, do you have any uh, do you have any favorite songs from this album? I mean, Basket Cases, Basket Cases it, to me in that album stands apart. Like it, yeah, it it stands apart from everything on the album. Um, that and um, when I come around, it was one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, and, you know, it's uh, nice and slow. Nice and slow, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I will say that having listened to it or coming around now, I think my favorite song on the album is Coming Clean. That's the one where the chorus talks about, um, I finally found um, what it takes to be a man, and mom and dad will never understand what's happening to me. Oh, that I did. Okay, yeah. Which apparently is about Billy Joe Armstrong's bisexuality. That's that's what I figured out. I was actually I actually listened to that today and read the lyrics along with it, and I and I realized I think that is about this. Sounds it sounds like coming clean is like coming out, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know why that I just I really I, I think part of it is I just really like the kind of chorus pre-chorus element there with the whole like I finally found what it takes to be a man. Mm-hmm. And uh, mom and dad will never understand what's coming to me, what's happening to me. Because even though, like, for him, it's personal about his bisexuality and all that, I think there is an element to where each teenage boy has this feeling that nobody's experienced what they're experiencing. Yeah. That becoming an adult and all of that is unlike, you know, you're sort of you're sort of convinced that your parents didn't go through this crap, even though they totally did. You just, and you don't realize that until decades later. Right. And I think, and I think for me, that's I've, I, you know, it, maybe it's a misinterpretation of the song, but that's sort of the way that I've always taken it. And I just remember sort of that feeling of like, it's sort of, I guess, in my mind, like, oh, here's what it takes to be an adult male. But I really, you know, I don't know if I want that. Uh, sort of the way I always took. I, I, that's kind of the way I took the song, right? And like, you know, or that I'm gonna, you know, or that because I'm growing up, my parents and my my mom or my parents, whatever, don't no longer understand me. Which is again, it's just it's kind of a stupid, immature teenage thing that everyone goes through. Yeah, but but I think it's my favorite song on the album. Really, your favorite? Yeah, that. Um, I also really like Longview. I've always liked Longview. I love the baseline in Longview. Yeah. Um, since since we yeah, I mean, since we both read Wikipedia articles. Did you did you yes see about uh, the baseline of Longview, like how it came to being? Yeah. That uh, yes, it's it's inspired by alternative substances. <laughs> Mike Dern was on LSD when he came up with it, and apparently, like he he couldn't play it unless he was on drugs, because he didn't really know how he did it. Because he because rec- apparently, I think the st- the story goes, Mike Dern was was just tripping on LSD, and he was like, he said, I was up against a wall, and I was just, and he was with Billy Joe Armstrong. He's like, hey, listen to this. And he just started playing the bass line, and they were recording it. <laughs> And then they would they would wake up the next day like with no recollection of what happened the previous night, and they would press play, and they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> like, oh, that's what we came up with." <laughs> and like, I guess Mike Dirk couldn't play it unless he listened to it or 
I mean, and what's funny is I remember when later on, because so I wasn't allowed to listen to Green Day, but then I discovered MXPX, which is a punk band that's um, that's of a that's of a that's of a type to Green Day, but they were Christians. And um, I remember when their album Life in General came out. And one, and one of the first big songs in that was Chick Magnet had, a, to me at the time, sounded like a very similar bass line to yeah. Longview. And I was like, oh, they're just trying to rip off Green Day here. <laughs> um, but when you listen to the two, there's there's there really is no comparison. Um, but that bass line is very interesting because it, it stands out, but it is pretty complex. Um, and it sounds simple at first, but when you really like pay attention to it, it is it is a very strange rhythm and everything going on with it. But yeah, um, Good song. There's some, some of my favorite lyrics, if I could highlight them for just a minute. Sure. Uh, I locked the door to my own cell and I lost the key. And of course, there's the, the famous verse, I sit around, I watch the phone, but no one's calling. Call me pathetic, call me what, what you will. My mother says to get a job, but she don't like the one she's got. <laughs> yeah, because who hasn't been told, like, you know, when they were a kid, like, I'm really bored of what to do. Then get a job. I'm like, but that doesn't solve what I just said <laughs> right yeah like and clearly you're not happy and this is supposed to make me happy and yeah um i never noticed this about the song but the very last line do you know what it is no but it's just a myth okay because he's talking because let's get right down to it the song is also about masturbation oh uh, right <laughs> and he ta- he's talking about things like going blind and stuff Right, and right. Sort of yeah, if you do it too much, you'll go blind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and I guess so. I guess we're talking about this. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if you we, we want to bring it up either, but I just, I mean, we can't. Uh, it's a weird. It's. I mean, so the song. Yeah. Is, that's what the verses are. Right. Open, close my eyes, take me to paradise. Yeah, I. Well, and and the thing is, is I think like so. This is the whole. So. <laughs> this, what 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 a first album we, because like. You know, I, all the things I have to be aware of, the fact that I'm a, that I'm an ordained minister. I'm currently talking to you fully dressed like a priest in my office it's... at my church, talking about Green Day's Dookie. 14-year-old me would have a coronary <laughs> if, if, if somehow he could look into the future. It's so uh, punk rock. I, I don't know if it's punk rock, but it's something. But because <laughs> here's, here's part of the, the, all the stuff that I hear in my mind is like, you know, as a kid – you know, it was it was actually funny. I was driving over to to the office tonight to record. I was listening to the album while I was driving, and I was thinking, and I was kind of thinking about my youth pastor and what he would say to me, talking about this album. Yeah. Of course, I'm thinking of my youth pastor back when I was 13, 14 years old, rather than how, where he's at today, which I don't know where he's at today on and on the, some of this stuff. But you know, he was definitely like a absolutely no Christian, no non no non Christian music should ever enter your ears. It's not good for your soul. It's encouraging bad behavior and all that. And I'm listening to this album. And I'm like, I can totally hear my youth pastor saying that. But then I was like, wait a minute. But like, just because someone sings about all this, just because the subject matter they're talking about is being sung about doesn't mean it's being endorsed. Right. Because to me, the album, as I already said, is is a reflection of suburban angst. Mm-hmm. And talking about masturbation thematically is very interesting because it's like, you know, it's it's synonymous with just nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, within the context of the song, he's not talking about lusting after anybody. Right. He's not turned on by something. He's just, he's just has nothing to do. <laughs> right. So and, it, and so it becomes yeah. like that, you know, like when, like when we talk about how, like, you know, when people talk about stuff that's disconnected from any kind of real thing, we say it's masturbatory because all it right. does is groom your own ego and ultimately accomplishes nothing. And 
and I sort of feel like that that captures sort of the feeling of that suburban angst as a teenager in that particular time period in the United States of America. It reflects a certain kind of spiritual impoverished, impoverished, uh, impoverishment mm-hmm. that was going on, and which Green Day will pick up on richly in the American Idiot album, particularly with the song Jesus of Suburbia. Such a good, uh, such a good song. Such a good song with like four movements, very, very, very creative piece of music. Um, But, you know, that they they capture that that feeling and that mindset and what it does to people really quite profoundly throughout the album. And it's and I and and it dawned on me, too, JP, because Green Day is very, very much a pop punk album or a great pop. band. they're not like punk rock, like. Right. They they sort of. Some songs will imitate the earlier scenes, but for the most part, it's it's pretty poppy. There's right. a lot of poppy and stuff it, from this album too. So, right, which is probably which has you know probably a lot to do with the you know being on a major record label and and some things like that because you know they got to make it you know listenable. Right. But either way, it's still more of a pop punk thing. But I realize like later pop punk bands like Blink One Eighty Two, which who I love by the way, and like. Um, you, your new buddies, a newfound glory, um, <laughs> some 41, like all those kind of later bands who were sort of inspired by green day and others, even like MXPX. who I listened to, um, even were contemporaries with green day, like their subject matter is pop music subject matter. Like oh, yeah. they're talking girls, they're talking about, you know, you know, wanting to be in love and, and that kind of stuff, you know, alongside some other things. But for the most part, they, they touch into that kind of, you know, relationships kind of thing. Uh, there was a big joke that, uh, Blink-182 was a boy band just sped up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but you listen to Dookie and you realize none of that is in that album. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, I mean, relationships and stuff do play a subtext of the songs, but that's not really what they're about. There are some songs that are about a particular girl. Um, right. But there's no like, will she love me? What will I do to get uh, her yeah. love? There's mostly, none of that. It's mostly about like, when they, when they do refer to girlfriends, it's like ex-girlfriends and divorce and stuff. Right. It's not about it, longing. Right. And so like subject wise, they're 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 singing about stuff that really not too many people at the time were were t- were were willing to put on top forty radio. Yeah. You know, I mean, other than maybe Nirvana, but God only knows what what Kurt Cobain was saying. He's impossible to understand. <laughs> um but I know you'll disagree with me on that, but um you know, not that Billy Joe Armstrong is all that better, really. Yeah. Um but I just I'm and that and that's the kind of stuff that I, I, I like thinking about it in its context and of its time really makes it something unique. Right. Um, can I talk about a, a particular song that really struck me? Sure. Um, having a blast. Okay. Uh, it's basically about mass murder. I I did not catch that. Um, I I it's probably one of those songs. Like there's I'll be I'll be honest. There are a couple songs in the album that I tend well, to skip over. So the song opens up. It's the, it's the second track on the album. And the song opens up with, I'm taking all you down with me. Explosives duct taped to my spine. Nothing's going to change my mind. I won't listen to anyone's last words. There's nothing left for you to say. Soon you'll be dead anyway. And then to me, it's nothing. To me, it's nothing. To me, it's nothing. And then the second verse, uh, the second verse is, I'm losing all my happiness. The happiness you pinned on me. Loneliness still comforts me. My anger dwells inside of me. I'm taking it all out on you, and all the shit you put me through. So it's, it's basically about. Uh, he's very angry. <laughs> no, a little bit. This this is the kind of 
Okay, this is the kind of song I could see it now. This is the kind of song that ends up on like 2020. <laughs> yes. Or a uh, current affair or inside edition when they decide to run a story on like uh uh this teenager killed somebody. And it's like, well, just listen to the music you're listening to. Have you heard the song Having a Blast by Green Day? And, you know, those those two verses are explicit. Like, I'm going to kill all these people. And then this is why. Because I'm lonely, I'm happy, and I'm, I'm, I'm lonely, I'm unhappy, and I'm angry. Um, but there's actually this last verse that I really like. It sound, like it can be taken as justifying it, but I don't think that's kind of what Billy Joe's going for. It's, do you ever think back to another time... Does it bring you so down that you thought you lost your mind? Do you ever want to lead a long trail of destruction and mow down any bullshit that confronts you? Do you ever build up all the small things in your head to make one problem that adds up to nothing? To me, it's nothing. I just thought, like, that c- completely contextualizes the whole song. Right. And, and like we said, like we've, we've been repeating it over and over again, this whole song, this whole this album is, is you know, boredom is a big theme. It's sort of this like fantasy, I think, about like I'm so pissed off I could just kill everybody, right? You know? And it's 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 asking the viewer or the, the listener to empathize with that those impulses. Well, and you know, so I, I, as you're mentioning this, I'm glad you brought this up because it makes me think of something um, that I heard that I had a conversation with with a with a dear dear a dear person in my life who's um, very influential. And I think I may have mentioned on the podcast before. It was a guy named Mark Dyer. He was, um, he is now, he's now dead. Um, um, well, he was, he, he lived a long and fruitful and faithful life. John Post. He was, he was not a young man. <laughs> he, okay. he, yeah. Um, you know, Mark, I hope you don't take offense to that, but he was, um, but he was um, Bishop of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for a number of years, former Benedictine monk, really cool background, um, personal friend to Desmond Tutu, um, just really neat guy. And I lived with him for a summer because he was, he was one of my professors. His wife was also one of my professors in seminary. And they put me up for a summer when I needed a place to stay when I was, when I had to be a hospital chaplain as part of my education and sitting around dinner, we would talk about, we'd tell these stories. And one of the things that he loved to like harp on is, so if you know anything about the Psalms, in the Bible, they're pretty dark at times. Yeah. And if you, if you're a faithful participant, if you faithfully follow what we call the daily office, which is where every day there are appointed things that you read in, in, in your prayers, you get to the entire Psalter, all, you know, the, the entire book of Psalms in, you know, a couple weeks time because you, you go through it all. Um, so inevitably you will come across one of the Psalms where David is saying, David, the King of, of Israel, who is the author of most of the songs, uh, um, him saying that, you know, he wants to see, he longs to dash his enemies, the, the children of his, the children of his enemies heads against the stone. Hmm. Like wow. he basically, he's talking about murdering babies. Yeah. It's very disturbing. <laughs> and it's one of these that sometimes you'll, you'll notice in, it's in my world, you'll notice during like lectionary cycles and stuff that like the Psalms get cut out, like they get all cut up. When we read them as a church, because we try to avoid these kinds of these kinds of bits, and um, Mark used to say, and he was from Boston, so he had a bit of a Boston accent. So you can imagine him just sort of being like, "This is stupid, this is stupid." <laughs> that everybody want to cut this out. I mean, this is, again, a man who was a Benedictine monk, very peaceful individual, and he said, "I mean, he just he said to me, he said, stupidest thing to me is people wanting to not say these psalms.' This is because 
these psalms reflected the feelings that David had at the time. Right. And we are being dishonest if we've ever felt that we have not had that kind of anger before. Like just because it's in the just because it's it's in the Psalms doesn't mean that it that the behavior is being endorsed. Right. Yeah. What it's saying is is that David is being honest emotionally before God, and how many of us are unable to be that kind of emotionally honest? Mm-hmm. And I won't, and that sticks with me whenever these things come around. And I feel like, and I feel like at this like like, so there's a relation to me with like a song like having a blast. Yeah. Because I think people need to be honest. We have we if we really get down to it, we have some really disturbing thoughts that pop in our heads. Yeah, and we do feel the, the you know. And just because you feel it doesn't mean that it's that you're you're actually going to do it, or that you're claiming that someone should, or that you're endorsing that kind of behavior. And I think, like as you're saying, the last verse of the song really kind of drives home the idea that. This is that this kind of this kind of anger is really ultimately nothing, yeah, and that you really need to just get over it, mm-hmm. even though we all feel this stuff, yeah. And so I think it touches something you know pretty. You know, if we really get honest with it, it can be a pretty you know, it confronts us with something that it's yeah, it's a sad song. Like I mean, it, you yeah, know, it's it's done that usual Green Day you know riff and, and flow and rhythm. But like when I, I I've never actually sat down and read the lyrics to that particular song. I'm like wow, this is like it's poor dude, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Um, but I can I can just imagine like you know our mothers seeing that. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, this is this is what's wrong with everything our kids are into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, if I were to, I mean, you know, being a parent now, I'm very aware. Do you have a song you want to bring? Because I have one I want to bring up. The first song on the album. Oh, Burnout. Burnout. And partly yeah, because I forgot. I, I misunderstood the lyrics. I misunderstood the lyrics for most of my life. Yeah. Because um, I really like I really like the chorus of it. Um, because I think it, it captures perfectly what the whole album is about. I'm not but it's growing that, up. I'm just burning out. And I stepped in line to walk amongst the dead. Yeah, but here's the thing is, I used to think that the lyrics said, um, I'm not growing up, I'm just staring it down. (laughs) Which I was a little disappointed to learn that I'm not growing up, I'm burning out, because I was sort of like, I'm not, because I I like the idea that I'm not growing, because again, Billy Joe Armstrong, if you're not listening to this album, he's sometimes kind of hard to understand. Um, But that, but I I, I just love the idea, I was like, I'm not growing up, I'm just staring it down, like I'm just sort of staring down the idea of growing up, like I'm willfully not growing up. And he says, I'm just standing in line to walk amongst the dead. I mean, ultimately, the sentiment's kind of the same, but I... Um, it's kind of the verse. I, He's like, I'm just burning out. <laughs> That's totally different from, from staring down. <laughs> I guess. But I say, but like, ultimately, the idea is like, I'm not really growing up. Right. I'm I'm taking my place to stand among the dead and take, you know, like, which is, oh, man, it just sort of captures that that feeling you have when you're, especially when you're a teenager and you're into punk rock and you're sort of like looking around and you're like, everybody's sheep. Yeah. We're just cogs in a machine. We're the walking dead. Yeah, um, I actually have this this verse highlighted here. Apathy has rained on me. Now I'm feeling like a soggy dream. So close to drowning, but I don't mind. I'll live inside this mental cave. Throw my emotions in the grave. Hell, who needs them anyway? He's a poet. <laughs> That captures suburban boredom of the mid '90s. It's kind of like the way hip hop captured, you know, the hip hop of the of the of the '80s and '90s was capturing, you know, like West Coast hip hop in particular, capturing like what life was like. 
yeah. in in like Compton and places like that. You know that this was an everyday reality, and that on the flip side, here's here are, you know white middle class males, and they're living like a fairly like a fairly spiritually impoverished existence. Right. And like, and so it's just capturing that. And so by capturing it, it's in a way condemning it and saying like, life's meant to be more than this. Right. You know, and like, by titling the album Dookie is kind of funny. Cause it's like, ultimately like my life, that's like saying that like the life we're living is ultimately Dookie. It's, it's crap. <laughs> it's a crap life. Yeah. It, you know, we're, we're meant to do something more. And so it's interesting that to me, like there are just a sort of like masculinity out there that's sort of embracing that mm-hmm. and that it's not just like a subset. Like that seems to be a, like a by and large kind of thing. Right. That a lot of a lot of males of our generation are just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to be a loser or whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, can we talk about Welcome to Paradise? Sure. I love this song, Chuck, because it reminds me of, of you and me and Keelan living together <laughs> in our, our Dixie apartment. Yes. In South Florida. Uh, because that's basically what the, what, what the song is about. It's about how uh, they, the band moved to Oakland. I think, or was it Berkeley? I think it was, no, it was Oakland. The band moved to Oakland and they stayed at this like abandoned house. With a bunch of other people, so they didn't have to pay rent. But like you know, they're. I mean, you know, this is Oakland. Like it's it's a, it's a rough, rough, rough neighborhood. And you know, the first part of the verse, he, he's it's basically like kind of like a note to his mom, right? And you know, at the beginning, he's like, hey, "Dear mother, can you hear me? Can you hear me whining? It's been three whole weeks since I left your home. Uh, this sudden fear has left me trembling because now that it seems I'm out here on my own and I'm feeling so alone." They're talking about cracked streets and broken homes. You know, some call it slums, some call it nice. I think it's kind of funny. By the end of it, it's like, you know, he's with artists and they're creating a bunch of cool stuff and making great music and they're playing basketball. And this is what he was saying in some interviews. And it's basically about like being put in a just like a crappy situation and sort of turning it into a home. Right. And so that, that's why the, the next part of, of the, like the last part, the last verse is, your mother can hear me laughing. It's been six whole months since that I've left your home. It makes me wonder why I'm still here for some strange reason. It's now feeling like my home, home and I'm never going to go. Yeah, those were good days. <laughs> they were. Uh, you know, and you know, we didn't, we weren't like in Oakland or anything. This is like. We were, we were, we were, we were, we were like on the border of El Cid. We were like, you know, <laughs> it was weird. We were like in a pretty beat up apartment complex in kind of a rough area that was like a block away from like quarter million dollar or like, like half million dollar, million dollar homes. Yeah. But then like, if you throw a rock this way and it's like, you know, and then not, 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 not good territory. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we got, we got broken into and we, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, but it was a fun place. Cause that's that, that, that feeling of like, this is not fantastic. Yeah. But we're, we're but it's home. Yeah. And like, God, that place was gross. And that was, it was gross because <laughs> of us. We were gross. <laughs> and the the last verse is a welcome to paradise is a wasteland. I like to call my home. Welcome to paradise. Like, yeah, that, that, that describes a bunch of dudes living together. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And like, you know, the idea of paradise sort of being a subjective thing. Yeah. 
you know, paradise is sort of what you make it, which is the theme of the beach, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, but yeah, no, it was good revisiting this album. And, um, I, 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 you know, it's, it's got, it's always going to hold a special place in my heart because I'm always going to associate it with being a rebellious skateboarding teenager who was secretly listening to it. And it was like this thing, like it was this thing that me and my friends had that we, we had to keep secret from our peers and from like the leadership in our church. And so it was very like clandestine and, you know, just rebellious to have Green Day's Dookie. Right. Uh, I also always associate the whole album with my cousin AT, who used to wear this like he had a he saw them in concert around that time and he had a Green Day Dookie T-shirt they used to wear all the time and it was just like but it was just ratty and gross and full of holes and he still wore that disgusting T-shirt for years. But yeah, that album was nice you know, and he was allowed to listen to it i wasn't allowed to listen to it. i was jealous though well, because he was his mom let him do that but yeah i feel like i should, I should kind of talk about my sort of like my you know my parents i don't think they knew i had this album <laughs> like i don't think they know anything about it because like i said i was given money for the first time to spend on my birthday and i, I basically just went to a music shop and just picked out whatever i want and bought it um i don't think my parents really knew what i was doing and I kind of just kept those CDs like just close to me at all times. So it's like, you know, they'd have to pry it out of my hands. You know, I think what's cool about the album is, um, you know, Chuck, you talk, you mentioned Jesus of Suburbia for the American Idiot album. Um, I actually listened to a lot of American Idiot this week in, in addition to this because it kind of got me into it. Um, but the song uh, FOD, uh, which I think which is pretty much about getting over an ex-girlfriend as well, kind of is almost sort of like, you can kind of see where Green Day is going. Yeah, because that song is way like that's a musically that's an interesting song for the album. Yeah, because it starts as like this really lo-fi acoustic number, right? Right, and then it just like kicks into gear halfway through. First, first of all, it's it's kind of like just about he's broken up with this girl and they're burning bridges, nuking bridges, I should say. Right, um, you know, stuck in a rut, and then the second half is like, I hate you. I hope you die. <laughs> Which is when it kicks into gear. And, you know, you talk, we talk about Jesus of Suburbia. And Jesus of Suburbia is a song with, like, I don't know, like like five movements? Yeah, it's like, it's like, I think it's specifically four. And if I'm not mistaken, on the album itself, it actually lists the movements underneath the title track. Yeah. It doesn't do that on Apple Music. Right, but I think if you actually had, like, the, yeah. the CD. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so you can kind of see that. And you also, they do the same thing with... Um, I don't know if it's our next. Is is it the next album after this that has a uh, brain stew? Yes, um, the Insomniac album. Yeah, so Insomniac brain stew moves right into Jade to uh, Jaded. Yeah, right. Um, so I think it's interesting that that kind of becomes like their thing. Right, and then there's the Nimrod album, which is which is good. I, I love Nimrod when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and of course the monster hit that they had off of that album, which is good a... riddance time of your life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every single graduation I ever went to, <laughs> to this day, <laughs> I, went, right. I went to graduation, uh, last year and they're still playing that song. Which is funny. Cause you know, that song is about, that song's about like a really bitter breakup. Yeah. 
it's like good riddance. Like get out of my life. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Right. Like it's a, it's an angry, bitter song. And I love that we use it for graduations. Um, Kane, Kane is association with that song. Kane is my wife for new listeners. Apparently there was some, um, drinking and driving PSA they used to play at her school. Yeah. And they would use that over like a montage of like car wrecks and stuff. And like the idea being like, I hope you had the time of your life cause you're dead now. That's mean. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and they would show it like before prom and stuff. Like don't drink and drive. Yeah. That song was a, Oh my gosh. It was in the, it was on the, it was on the clip show that was the preface to the finale of Seinfeld. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you, so, I mean, what, what do you think, Chuck? Are, are Green Day a bunch of sellouts? If I, there was a time in my life where I would have said yes. But I have learned that punk rock is largely a marketing gimmick that was developed in the early 70s. Because The Clash were not a punk rock band when they got started. Really? No, they were like... Oh, what did they, they had a, they were like a blues rock band and their manager was like, Hey, actually you guys are now this and you'll make more money. And yeah. so like, okay. Panic on so the streets of like, London doesn't sound very like a, like a punk rock song to me at all. <laughs> well, the clash, but the clash is considered like the first punk rock band. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to say like punks themselves were not a thing. Um, but that, that, that whole style of music and all that is kind of, it's kind of sort of manufactured, right? I mean, it's a weird thing because you know the the first the the first real to me rock song that fits into the mindset of punk rock is Louie Louie, really because that's considered the first that's considered the first like garage band song like okay. they you know they're it's raw it's it's you know it's not produ- it's not really overproduced it was recorded I think live um, yeah. and. Um, you know, and then you get like bands like the Kinks and others later on. You do some other things, and they're a little more kind of garagey, grungy sounding bands, and that sort of leads into a whole, you know, so it's a whole music history. This is where I get to get smug and talk about music history and stuff. Um, it's fine. So, so it's hard for me to say that punk, like that, that like that Green Day are sellouts because, in a way, punk rock itself is a marketing ploy. Hmm. So. I, you know, so I don't know. I just don't say it. They, I just can't say that they are. I mean, if they're sellouts, then what the heck are Nirvana? Yeah. I mean, I think, but in the context of, of that is like, you know, Actually, what are the Foo Fighters? Cause they're, they're more of a sellout than Nirvana ever was, but, uh, yeah, well, you know, Dave Grohl won't even argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, uh, it, this all, I feel like this always comes up when that's why that's why I bring it up is because it's it's always an issue when people talk about Green Day, at least growing up with me. I don't think there was a time after well, nineteen ninety eight where I could bring up Green Day and I was like, You could do like Green Day sell out a poser. Yeah. Well I mean to be a poser. That was I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that I just I just don't hear anymore. No, not at all. But it was a thing it was a concept that consumed our lives, JP. It really did. It, Avoiding like, You did being not want to be called a poser. poser. No, no. Don't be a poser. Yeah. And it was, oh gosh. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. And like you would like one day learn that there were stores that were like, oh, it's a poser store. Like, what? Like I used to <laughs> shop there. Maybe you like the band, maybe you like the, the clothing label Stussy, right? Yeah. You like Stussy. And then like they started selling it like Kmart or something. You're like, well crap, I can't wear that anymore. Right. Because now I'm now I'm a poser. <laughs> You know, and like like Massimo, Massimo got sold to Target. It's like, oh, dang it, now it's not legit anymore. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then Airwalk. Remember Airwalk? Airwalk got like picked up by Payless or whatever. It was like done because Airwalk used to be like that was your – that was a sign you were a skater. You wore Airwalks. And then, and then, Chuck, hot topic. Oh, brother. Hot <laughs> topic. Jeez. Malgoth. Yeah, when it was bought out by Old Navy. They were bought out by Old Navy? Oh, yeah. They're owned by Old Navy. The same, same company owns Old Navy and The Gap and – I did not know that. All those, all I, those. Now I know that Hot Topic bought out Think Geek. Oh, did they? That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that's so funny. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like the, the, this whole concept we're talking about, like this was like, I mean, it, it induced panic when we were teenagers. Like, well, and like, and like, I mean, like, yeah, and like anxiety because like I was a skateboarder. I wasn't a good skateboarder, but I was a skateboarder. I was trying. And like I had some people like, oh, you're a skater, you're a poser. I'm like, <laughs> no, like I can Ollie. I can Ollie. You can't Ollie. You cannot call me a poser. But yeah. Pose being a poser was like that was that was a serious concern. Yeah. And so yeah. And so like certain bands you listen to is like a Green Day, I guess, was like you're a poser if you listen to Green Day. Of course, I listen to Christian Punk. So like I was always considered a poser because I was in the Christian Punk. Mm-hmm. Um and so I had to just sort of learn to like not care about it. Yeah, I mean it it, it got to a point where I kind of stopped caring about music like because it just sort of I mean you couldn't listen to anything. Nothing was good. And not because nothing was good, it's because I mean there was always someone to be like you're a loser if you listen to that. Right. It didn't matter what you listened to. Right. Yeah, it was yeah, but being a poser, man, that was a good. I don't and like. I don't even know like if there's any like kind of equivalent today. I just don't think people care that much anymore. If you ask a certain film critic, it was because selling out is now a virtue. True. What True. do you think? I mean, do you think that's what happened? Like, do you think uh, you know selling out is kind of encouraged now? Like, you know, you think about music today and these bands like Imagine Dragons and and your and your 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 Black Keys and your Gross. and your. Um, um, and your funds, you know, they they now make music hoping it gets picked up by a car company to use in their commercials. Right. That's like the hope now. Right. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I want to make money. I want to be a professional at this. Yeah. I get it. You know, you don't have too many people doing art for art's sake anymore. That's why, like, like, and there's one thing, like, two bands that I just love in terms of rock. I love, well, I love the Japan Droids. Yeah, and I love the Japan Droids because I think they're one of the few bands that sort of just gets that rock is supposed to be like aggressive and young and fun and and all of that. And then there's the darkness, and I love the darkness because I love their audacity. Yeah. Like out the box, they were acting like a stadium rock band, and of course they ended up becoming a stadium rock band. Mm-hmm. But they acted like they acted like they were like a major label thing. Yeah. When they weren't, and to me, there's something like just wonderfully subversive about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just sort of feel like the the, the machine, man, like the recording industries, the music, the, mu- the music, uh, movie industries, like all of this stuff. They they just sort of figured out that like they can just buy it all and market it, yeah. and and that's it's hard to and and considering how like they control distribution now, right? There's really no radio. They control the radio that, you know, like it's hard. It's hard to do something new because how are you going to get heard? How are you going to, you know, there's, you know, and I guess they've all kind of always done that, but, um, it's, right. you know, but there was like indie radio and stuff for a while and 
you know, it's just, and now like when I hear the bands and everything, like when people are like, Oh, this is the, this is the music. This is the stuff that's like really cutting edge now. And I'm like, it, it sounds like it was turned out by a computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. We're, uh, this is kind of a meandering topic, but I, I, um, I, do I think Green Day sold out? They probably did. Do I think it's a bad thing? Eh. I don't know, man. I like, mean, we're, we're talking about them lovingly right now, so I guess not. Well, but and also, what is selling out? Okay, like, if you make something, if you're making music, and then you get discovered, mm-hmm. and then you get to, and someone's like, hey, this thing that you love to do, we're going to pay you to do that now. Like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'll take that. Yeah. To me, that's different than... I'm going to change my my look and my sound and what I do in order to get noticed. Right. And I don't know that I think Green Day sold out. I think, you know, there was a wave of interest in alternative rock music and they happened to, you know, they they were they were talented in what they did and they had, you know, a, a catchy sound and some people liked it, paid attention to it, were able to get it, you know, they just it was just one of those, you know, Right. Lightning strikes moment for them, and you know, good on them. They they made it. So I think I've exhausted my my stuff on Green Day's Dookie. <laughs> good. Okay. If I've expelled all of my Dookie, <laughs> um, just as covered in Dookie as I am. Yeah, dude. And so I, you know, I, so I guess you know we'll have to we'll hear from Matt. I want to try to ring as much out. We might just start talking about punk and punk music. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear Matt the cop talk about punk. <laughs> yeah. Um the uh um and I'm also going to be curious to see what album he is going to announce. Yeah. Cuz I'm throwing him under the bus. I'm nominating um I'm nominating calling out Matt for this. Anyway, well, I don't so, know, I don't know, I don't know how to end this because it's not really ending. Uh if you've reached this far, uh, flip the disc to side B. <laughs> um, and when you do, time it with um, time it with um, when things turn to color on The Wizard of Oz, and see what happens. I'm gonna do it. Um, well, that that that's a wrap on Father Chuck for this episode yeah. of Music Mayhem. Uh, thank you for listening. Listen to Matt on side B. Hello, Matthew. Hello, JP. I'm glad to have you here, buddy. It's good to be here. Well, uh, as you know, th- we're in, in, in the first episode of Music Mayhem. <laughs> Mayhem. Exactly. Yes. And uh, for this episode... I've been we're... busy. <laughs> you have been. <laughs> uh, for this episode, uh, I recommended uh, Dookie by Green Day. Matt, do you know why it's called Dookie? I do not. Um, it's because of the intense diarrhea that the band suffered while they're touring, eating spoiled food. Great. <laughs> so they decided to call their, their, their album Dookie. They're, actually, they're originally going to call it Liquid Dookie because that's what they called the diarrhea. But they thought it, that sounded too gross. So they dropped the liquid and just stuck with Dookie. I'm so glad. <laughs> so you listen to this album. I take it since that was your assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think? Um, it was good. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, I'm glad. 
And thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, go back to side A. For more in-depth conversation. <laughs> um, do you have like a history of this album, Matt? Like, when did you did you ever like, you know, Chuck and I? Each of us have like a history about like you know it was the first album I ever bought, and Chuck kind of like borrowed it from a friend, even though he wasn't supposed to listen to it, and it both kind of introduced us into punk. Um, do you have any kind of history like that with the album, or? Are you just now discovering it? No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're gonna be that guy. I'm gonna <laughs> be. I'll, I'm gonna be punk rock in my interview here. <laughs> and make it impossible. I um. I I do have a. I have an interesting history in the sense that I, I remember when this was huge when it yeah. came out, and um, I remember being the guy who's like, I don't like Green Day. I think that they're awful. Um. But then I would hear a song on the radio, and I'd be like, oh, I really like this. Who is it? And they're like, that, that's Green Day. <laughs> um, and then I'd hear another song, and I was like, oh, I like this. Who's that? that that's Green Day, too. And I, I found out, okay, I guess I like Green Day. So which band um, were you talking about then? It had to be a band that you didn't like, them. <laughs> no, I think I heard, like, one song off the album. Okay. I think somebody played it. And I must not have liked that song okay. and never actually listened to the album. So every one of the singles that you mentioned, I was a huge fan of. Yeah. But I have to admit that those were pretty much the only songs I knew off of it. Right. Um, but I was hooked on them and loved them. And whenever they came out, you, you can't not i know that's a double negative but it's yeah. the way i'm going to say it you can't not sing along with the with those songs oh totally uh, the four in particular with a uh, long view welcome to paradise basket case and when i come around oh yeah uh, you can't have grown up when we grow up when we grew up hear the beginning of any of those songs and not start singing along and if you're by yourself yelling along because you don't sing it quietly is you this, sing it so loud that it's no longer singing is this something that happened to you while you're listening to the album it might have um <laughs> but i played the fifth and the opening riff for Longview is still one of my favorites uh the bass line yes i have to admit that that's still one of my favorites the, I, um, I, was, I was talking to talk about this the bass in this entire album is incredible mm-hmm. i think trade i think trade Durant or not trade mike Durant did a uh, wonderful job. I think every bassist mm-hmm. should listen to this album. But go ahead. Yeah, but but no, that that's kind of my history with it. Is when it came out, I was like, I hate this album. I hate Green Day. I don't understand why you're all talking about it. <laughs> Who is this? I really like this song. Um, <laughs> and that became the story. Is that's Green Day? Oh, well, I guess I like that one. And then later, I'd be like, all right, who is it? That's Green Day. I'm like, all right, I get it. I get it. I like Green Day. I'm sorry <laughs> because at the time. There, there was a lot of sound alikes, you yeah. know, like there's, there's, there was a lot of noise being made that was trying to follow in that. So, I mean, I, I can't be blamed back then for not 100% knowing it was them right off the bat because JP knows me well enough to know I am awful with remembering bands. Um, it's, it's like a kryptonite. I just can't do it. I can, I can hear a song and know every word to it. Love it. Have heard it since the day it was written and not have any idea who it is. Um, it's, it's, it's true. It's very true. I have that's to why remind I, him of actors' names and directors all the time. That's why this is the B side commentary. <laughs> well, the B side is supposed to be the side that like all the cool kids listen to and know like yeah. it's the yeah. deep cuts. Yeah. The cool kids listen. Um, <laughs> Or in this case, it's where they hide the one nobody wants to. <laughs> Not exactly. Come on. 
Um, so any thoughts on this, uh, this revisitation? I didn't get to dive into the lyrics like I wanted to. Yeah. Um, people, regular listeners, um, casual listeners, if you've ever heard me talk, you know, I've been busy with the, the Academy thing lately. Um, so I listened to it a lot between the hours or minutes of 4:45 in the morning to 5:15 in the morning nice. over the last several days. That'll wake you up. Um, driving to to the academy and then some in the afternoon driving home. The only downside to that is I couldn't really dive into listening to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But what I realized, other than what we've already talked about, you can't not sing to certain songs. You just start singing. It doesn't matter if it's 4:45 in the morning. You will <laughs> sing to it. Um, I miss punk. You miss punk. I do. I miss it. Um, that is a style of music that is completely vanished at the moment off the face of the earth. And I miss it. You know, I, I think it just, it went back to where it started. It went underground where nobody can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to really, you have to seek it out. Like a new yeah, punk. I don't know what's new, you know, like, like we were it's... talking about newfound glory. I've been re-listening <laughs> to newfound glory. And like, that's the, you know, closest I can come to. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, you know, people say rock and roll is dead mm-hmm. and there's definitely not real rock out there right now, but a lot of pop music still has that rock vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like for the most part, unless I'm totally clueless, um, punk is just gone. Like it's gone. You don't, I don't hear it anywhere. Right. Um, even to the point where when, when you're doing punk music, there, there's a certain, uh, the, the, the it's, it has like its own accent. Yeah, that makes sense. Every singer. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the same. It's it, it, um, they're they're trying to replicate that that British punk accent. Yeah, it's it's a British attempt, but it became its own accent because yeah. it's not British, right? Like, at all. Um, however, we're gonna get to, in my opinion, uh, well for for next week when we get to it, okay. I'm gonna take you back to where I think punk music started. Oh, okay. Um. And it'll be, I'm sure people will say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But anyways, <laughs> um, we're going to go there anyway. Nice. So can't wait. But the, it's, it's yeah, it, punk music has its own accent and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days of punk. Gone are the days of the Buffy background music. Oh, totally. Um, like the music you'd listen to at the bronze. Yeah, I miss it. And it's not, you see, like rock and roll was like anger. Mm-hmm. Um metal music is like screaming death anger um the <laughs> the hip-hop i feel like has a lot of anger to it too oh yeah, yeah um punk rock to me is more like i don't know if this is the right word is like teenage angst the right word well i i think i think green day definitely is yeah like but punk rock it's what i mean is in general like it's a different style of anger. Uh-huh. Like punk music is um, where rock and roll is like in your face. We're going to change the way things are. Mm-hmm. Punk rock is like, for lack of a better way of putting it, punk rock's the middle finger. It's it's attitude. Um, yeah, it's just like whatever. Like yeah. you just can't do anything about us. Like we don't need to change you because you can't change us. Right. Is kind of what punk rock is. Nice, I like that. Um, and it, it's yeah, it's I, f- I feel like that's gone right now. And did I you, don't know of a. You got a, that impression when listening to Green Day. Yeah, listening to it just reminded me of like 
music is expression right obviously Mm -hmm. and it tends to be emotional and different styles for me tend to reflect different emotion out of me personally um and punk is this lacking one in modern music Mm -hmm. um it's like sometimes i'm not angry at the world where i want to scream at it i just want somebody else to be like yeah things are stupid you know Um, yeah i think you're right and i think and i'm just i'm just kind of theorizing and spitballing i feel like the reason why it's it's missing is because of the attitudes of the day have changed so much over the past 20 years whereas you know (laughs) chuck and i were talking earlier about like in the 90s like it was a death sentence if someone called you a poser and you you'd never sold out like that was a horrible thing to do well today what's seen as like you know selling out is like kind of a, a virtue now you know like Bands today, when they make music, like the hope is that they get picked up by a car by a car company for their commercials, and like that is like so not punk, <laughs> you know. And I feel like so so that 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 attitude isn't isn't really maybe the attitude is just not really around. Maybe it is around. It just exists in other genres. Like I think it still kind of exists in uh, hip hop to a certain extent. Um, you know, punk and hip hop are compared to each other a lot because they both start kind of started in underground scenes and stuff. Um, and they were both like subversive to culture and things like that. Um, but I think it's just like, I, you know, I think, I think punk is like you said, you know, metal is like screaming anger and aggressiveness. Punk is, is attitude and like s- such an attitude driven genre when there's, when the attitude doesn't really exist anymore, you know, where do you go? Where, where what happens? Does that, does that make sense? Because I just made that up on the fly. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. And um, see, I, I I was trying to think of what album I'm going to give you guys. Yeah. And my honestly, my first thought of like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do because I feel like it's cheating okay. um, because it's a soundtrack. And I feel like soundtrack should be off the table because somebody else already put it together. But it's Sing Street. Oh, nice. Sing Street. Um and to me, that movie is a visual embodiment of the punk attitude. Oh, yeah. Even though, even though the music is, you know, more into like the pop and indie pop sound and goes back into new you know, wave stuff. Yeah, it's more that stuff. The movie is a punk attitude. Yeah, well, it's totally the group of kids that are fighting, not by yelling at the people and becoming angry, but by going, "We are who we are, and we're here, and, just and that's art. it." Yeah. Right. And um, to me, that was punk. It's like we're we're, we're who we're going to be and we're here. So deal with it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that the, most of the, the the major style in that movie is, is new wave and that kind of evolved out of punk. Right. So it, it makes sense. It's so, so still sort of the same the, the, the same kind of attitudes, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally like, oh, God, I love that movie so much. But that's kind of like your your side homework because that's not okay. going to be the album. But um, that, that oh, okay. was going to be that was going to be my album. But I feel like I feel like a, a movie soundtrack is kind of cheating because it's letting somebody else do your homework. Like they put together songs so oh, you don't man. have to go to the album. You know what I mean? Even though there's original um, songs on it and stuff. Yeah, I know. That's why I was I was torn. I was back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're not helping because you're making me think maybe. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that. 
if if you're listening to this and you haven't yet, because we've mentioned it before, um, watch Sing Street and listen to the soundtrack. I believe it's, it's available on Netflix right now. Is it yeah. on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. No excuses, people. It's on <laughs> Netflix. Go watch it. Um, but yeah, it's just Sing Street's incredible. But th- we're going to sidetrack the whole thing on Sing oh, Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just some of my my thoughts on the album. Um, you know, my history with it is I it was the first out al- one of the first albums I ever bought, and um, when I at the time when I listened to it, I really listened to it. Like I had a disc man and I would just kind of, I'm like, I'm like laying on the floor in my room and like, I have the, the lyric sheets open and reading the liner notes and lyrics, which is sort of like not something that's really practiced today. <laughs> right. When do people just kind of like lay on the floor listening to music anymore? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not something that exists today. Where are you going to get liner and, and- <laughs> sheet music like you're just nuts yeah so i mean i, I was 13 I, I just turned 13 and i'm reading all these lyrics and stuff and i'm laughing and i'm a little I'm a little repulsed by some of them and i think the thing that occurred to me the most out of like all because I, I bought two other albums i bought elena's morris's jagged little pill and, a, and the twister soundtrack uh <laughs> and i think i actually i think i also got hootie and the blowfish i, I don't remember um but one thing I noticed the most about Green Day was that at the time that really struck me was that these were young people, you know, not that far off from my age. I was 13. You know, I don't I didn't really get ages, but I'm pretty sure like most of Green Day were teenagers by the time they they were writing these songs. Um, and so a lot of things I, I kind of related to, you know, I couldn't relate to a lot of the music I was listening to at the time. I just liked the sound. But like, you know, like I said, I was reading lyrics and making me laugh and talking about how angry are their parents or um, ex-girlfriends and, and girls and boredom, which is like a huge, you know, Chuck and I discovered that boredom is like an enormous theme throughout the album and sort of that teen angst that kind of comes along with it. And so it was sort of like sort of a gateway for me into, you know, a youth culture that was making art. So... That's my history, as if I probably haven't told you a billion times before. So, what do you think is your favorite song off the album? I don't know. I like. I like the. I don't know. I told you the the four singles were my big thing. Yeah. I mean, just being honest, probably Basket Case. Oh yeah. My favorite. Um, but when I come around, it's just like that's that's like the classic one that you would hear blaring at places. Um, but yeah, so probably Basket Case. I'd say. If I had to pick. Uh, you know what? I have that on my notes. What you said, like it's impossible not to sing along. That's in my notes here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in <laughs> Basket Case is the one that you just like. It plays. You're just like, I have, to, I have to sing it. Like, mm-hmm. obligated. And that's sort of like the whole reason why I bought the album when it came out is for that song. Yeah, I feel, you feel like you're. Yeah, you feel like you'd be in trouble if you don't. Or so, I don't know. <laughs> like, just. I, I defy anybody who grew up with it to, to play that song and not sing a word. Like, right. don't open your mouth once. Keep your mouth <laughs> shut from beginning to end. Um, if you grew up with it, just let's try it. Try yeah. it. Try it. Do but you, you can't do it. Do you know the story behind the song? No, I don't. Um, so apparently, Billy Joe Armstrong, who's you know the front man and also wrote uh, the majority of the lyrics uh, for the album, including Basket Case, 
was suffering from like panic attacks and intense anxiety, but he didn't know what it was. He thought he was, he was just going crazy. And it wasn't until like years later that he discovered that he was actually diagnosed with like a panic attack, like a panic disorder, an anxiety disorder. And it, it, you know, the song is like so catchy and fun and cool, but like when you really read the lyrics, it's, no, like, I mean, what your your story behind it sounds like the song. So yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, if I had to absolutely guess, I would say somebody was losing it and wrote a song. <laughs> so, right. Well, I mean, that's the song. So you know, he's he's talking about how he's he's trying to get help. Mm-hmm. And like the people keep telling that he he's kind of going this like circular motion where like no one is helping him. He's like, I'm going to this person. They tell me to go to this person. They tell me to go to this person. You know, this person's telling me I'm whining. This person's telling me I'm a drag. You know, mm-hmm. and then nobody understands what he's experiencing, and he's going insane, or is he just stoned? I don't know. So, what do you think, Matt? Do you, do you think uh, I'm going to ask you a question? I asked Chuck last night. Um, do you think Green Day is a bunch of sellouts? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the term sellouts. No. I, have, I have issues. I have issues with that anyway. Um, I don't. Know. I don't understand the whole concept of oh, you're a sellout. Yeah. <laughs> Well, do you remember what, what that was like the back in the nineties? How like? Yes, I do. It was evil. <laughs> like, you, in certain circles, especially, which it makes sense with them being punk and coming from underground music scene to all of a sudden like sign with a big label. Yeah. You're you're now you're playing music for the man. Yeah. Um, I get it. And yeah, back then that was like, oh, you're the worst of the worst. You sold out everything you stood for to make money. Yeah. But at the same time, they we're not a... talking about we're not talking about anybody else. Like, right. The we're ones not... who banned them. <laughs> we're not know. talking about Kerplunk. We're talking about Bas- we're talking about uh, Dookie. Yeah. Um, so sell out or accomplish what you set out to do. And I, I don't know. Yeah. But... I think of how many like talented people like were you know didn't accomplish anything because they were too afraid to sell out or something yeah no they (laughs) they stuck to their ideals man and nobody has a clue who they are like but they had their integrity they had their integrity yeah they i mean yeah they got their integrity i guess which that's my thing is like yeah they have their integrity because they didn't make money so that gives you that that gives you integrity like yeah like i get it if you had a reason for I mean, and then the, the, I guess they believed they had a reason, but I, I just don't know. Like, I right. don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did uh, did Green Day kind of lead to any other bands that you liked or really interested into or really into? Um, n- no, but um, at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I told you, my, my relationship with music, especially back then, even more so than now, mm-hmm. was so weird and off the wall. Because I would hear stuff, absolutely love it, and never know who I was listening to until like much later, or until somebody just told me. Um, the iPhone so yeah, is a godsend no, I, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know who else I listened to. Going, hey, this reminds me of them, because uh, I wouldn't know who they were either. Like, I, it's just, right. it's not good. It's, it's a bad thing from from back then. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. No, no, no. I mean, you, you, you said you you miss punk. I mean, were, yeah, there other, I were there other punk bands that you liked? That I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember names and stuff. <laughs> I'm killing me. Newfound uh, Glory, Grimlock, Grimlock. 
they changed their name, didn't they, to Project something? I don't know. I don't know. They're just trying to whatever. <laughs> um, for people out there wondering what in the world we're talking about, it was a, just a couple people from our high school um, who started a band. Yeah. If you guys are listening, I'm just going to be honest. It was awful. But, um, <laughs> well, what do you think about some of their other stuff, some of the later stuff? Like, uh, the, like do you remember the American Idiot album that came out uh, back in the mid-2000s? I like the song. American Idiot? Yeah, but I don't remember the album at all. See, oh. that's a problem. <laughs> well, there's that song like Boulevard of Broken Dreams and like Holiday. And... Uh, Boulevard of Broken <laughs> our graduation song? Wait, is that that's not our question? <laughs> no, oh, no, that wasn't our time of your life. Song. If, yeah, if no, Boulevard no, of Broken Dreams was a graduation <laughs> song, it'd be like the most depressing graduation in the world. Uh, they're on. Uh, what is that on? I think that's on one of those life soundtrack things I did before one of those projects. Oh yeah. See, we had this we had this teacher in high school that made us make a soundtrack of our life. Um, oh, I wish I had a teacher to do that. Was, that's pretty cool. And I think it what you did. I didn't. Then you came the year after, but it was Torbit, you fool. Um, we, Jeez, like it's my we, friggin' problem. Yeah, like it's it is your fault. problem when you your life before <laughs> us was your problem. Okay. Um, but then in I think my freshman year of college, I just decided to do it again for no reason. Yeah. Um, so I just I made another one freshman year of college. That's what I should have done is made you guys listen to that. Darn it. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'd man, 25 songs make you listen to it you want the rundown you want to hear the rundown really quick Let's, tell me the rundown tell the and listeners can, the rundown can, you can edit out if it gets old and boring okay um song one simple man by shinedown okay two switchfoot only hope three worlds apart jars of clay mm-hmm. uh four gifts and curses yellow card yeah this is starting Five. out kind of whiny Five. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> Five. Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flats. Yeah. Six. You and Me by Lifehouse. Seven. Everything Lifehouse. by Lifehouse. <laughs> oh God. Eight. Shine, the acoustic version by Collective Soul. Oh. Nine. Hanging on by Everyday Sunday. There's 25 of these. Ten. Hemorrhage <laughs> by Fuel. Eleven broken by Seether. Oh my gosh. Twelve Vermilion Part Two by Slipknot. Thirteen Ghost of a Good Thing by Dashboard Confession. Oh my god, Dashboard. <laughs> Fourteen Good Riddance by uh, Green Day. Fifteen Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. Sixteen Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. This is a sad playlist. Seventeen. 17, 1 by Filter. Yeah. 18, Bad Day by Fuel. 19, Wake Me Up When September Ends. Green Day again. Look at that. Three times. Uh, 20, Swing Life Away by Rise Against. Hmm. 21, Wanted Dead or Alive by Chris Daughtry. Oh, 22, 45, Acoustic Version by Shinedown. Uh, 23, The World I Know, Collective Soul. 24, Behind Blue Eyes, Limp Biscuit, and Jeez. 25, Mad World, Gary Jewel. Mad, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the end of Darty. Your, your life is basically, like, that playlist is Donnie Darko. Like, that. <laughs> <laughs> that, sir, that, sir, 
is the album I should have made you guys listen to. That is like two angst in the two thousands. Like that. That I is. Should, <laughs> that I should have. I should have recorded that off a speaker onto a cassette tape, <laughs> A and B side, mailed it to you and Chuck in the actual mail, and made you guys listen to them. <laughs> and then do this on that. I would, I, I would love to hear Chuck unpack all that. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. I think I need to do a new one. What do you think? <laughs> do you want to talk first? Do you... <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be our uh, that's that's going to have to be one month. We're going to have to make new soundtracks, JP. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That'd, be, that, that'd be a fun but, project, I think. Except we need a song limit, though. Twenty five is a bit much. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. You know what? Why don't you just go ahead and announce uh, what what our album is for next week? All right, I had two that I was torn between, and I decided on it. Okay. One is from good old nineteen sixty six. The one I decided to go with is from nineteen seventy. Um, but we are going to listen to a re release from two thousand three. Okay, hold on. So, yeah. wait, yeah. You, you said you said it came down to two choices. Two choices. One was in nineteen sixty six. The other was nineteen seventy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're going on 1970, but it was re-recorded. but the re-release in 2003. Okay, and that is we are going to be listening to "Let It Be" by the Beatles. However, in 2003, they released the "Let It Be" naked version, which is stripped of some of the studio touch-up things, some of the sound effects, extras. Okay, um, and that's the one that is your homework. And Let It Be Naked, in my opinion, is the best the best Beatle album to go with. The other one, 1966, of course, was Revolver. And that's I had a feeling that you were gonna choose I, I, I was I, I put a list in my mind of what I think Madison yeah. is, and Revolver was one of them. And I was Revolver, kind of preparing for it. Yeah, Revolver is probably my personal choice. However, yeah. for the purpose of this and making you guys listen, Let It Be Naked, I think, is gonna be the better discussion. Cool. So that's why. Um, Revolver, though, is probably, I mean, that's the album for for me. Like, I would have gone with that one. But I listened through it again, and I was like, I just don't, I didn't get the vibe that this is the one we're going to go with. So I went with Let It Be Naked instead. I think you will enjoy listening to this one more, which will open to a bigger discussion. Okay. Um, like I, I kind of foresee you, JP. Personally, I have this, I have this small hope that you're going to get stuck on a Beatles kick. <laughs> After being forced to listen to this for a well, week. I mean, I, I I get into Beatles kicks whenever I, I come across Beatles songs. Like I know that's what my goal is with this one. <laughs> you're trying to get me out of my newfound glory slump. Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who knows where that's going to lead to? Good Charlotte, probably. We don't want that to happen. I know this is nothing to do with, with the Beatles or Green Day at all. But oh. I, I've been I've been like you, Matt. I miss punk as well, and I've mm-hmm. been trying to get more into punk lately. Mm-hmm. Um, actually when I started working out, I, I had a playlist for metal and a playlist for punk. And I was like, I need to get more into these genres cause I don't know that much about it or as much as I want to know. And, mm-hmm. um, I found myself listening more to punk than metal. And I think I just kind of found metal isn't really my thing, but punk is totally my thing. And it's like you said, it's that sort of, it's a, it's an attitude, it's that aggressiveness and it's that like middle finger to the man, you know, like that. Uh, yeah. Do my own thing, man. Yeah, um, I actually. Nope. Go ahead. Finish. Um. Uh. And I don't know. I just relate to it more, and it it it, just, it energizes me more. You know. 
and I don't mean just like working out, but like, and like just emotionally and mentally, it puts me, it takes me to a place that I, I, I really enjoy and have fun. So what were you going to say? Um, yeah, that, I, I actually thought that revolver would have been a really good follow up to Dookie. Oh, yeah. oh really? Green day. Um, because in my opinion, the Beatles would be kind of a precursor to punk. Yeah. Um, they're kind of the middle finger to the system without being the angry. Um, and the first few songs off of Revolver, I think, fit, and especially Dookie fit with that. Oh, yeah. With the songs like Taxman and Eleanor Rigby. Is, um, is Helter Skelter on there? No. Um, it is not. Uh, however, the the album takes kind of a an odd turn revolver is a long album and it takes kind of a weird turn in the middle and that's why i decided to not go with that one right now oh okay <clears throat> it gets into like yellow submarine and oh. things like that i know that was um, oh, interesting yeah um this might be good for me <laughs> listening to the beatles <laughs> yeah that's what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> uh but what's what, but what i'm excited about matt is that we get to talk about this uh, this album in person next week. Yes, yes, in uh, person. Because I'll be in West Palm Beach, and um, three of us are gonna we're gonna gonna celebrate you uh, 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 graduating from the academy and into uh, a dep- deputyhood, and then we're gonna record a podcast, watch some Guardians and Galaxy. I can't wait to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we are. Yeah, awesome. Let it be naked, everybody at home. Listen to "Let It Be Naked," not "Let It Be Naked," but that's the that's called "Let It Be Naked." Yeah, the album I mean, if is you actually. Naked, that's your thing. They do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, yeah, no. The album it's "Let It Be" dot 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 naked is like what it is. It's just the it's the stripped down version of "Let It Be." So, what does that mean though? Like, it's stripped down. Like it's acoustic. Like or. There is a lot of no. Um, like I'm you, You'll hear. You'll you listen to a little bit of both, and you'll see the difference. But okay. the one I want to talk about is that one. Um, there's quite a bit different in some of it. Um, a lot of the sound effects cut out. The just the the oh. production. A lot of the production is removed. Is it like all the crap that like Paul McCartney added in with like he's dead and stuff? And is that what is that what that means? <laughs> I don't know. You'll, you'll see. Okay. It's 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 the Beatles, man. Yeah. Um, and let it be naked to me just sounds that specific album sounds like sitting down with the Beatles. Really? Okay. Nice. Look like, forward to this. Yeah, I, I like it. You'll see. I'm excited, and I'm sure Chuck will be excited too, because he's a huge fan of the Beatles. <laughs> Except um, he thinks that John Lennon is overrated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll let you guys duke that one out next week. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I liked it though. I did. I liked good. it. Brings back memories. Yeah, and it's so funny you mentioned that you were like yelling the lyrics. Like when I when I did my first listen through the the album for this podcast, I was jamming loudly. <laughs> you you want to get. You just practice anybody out there who's of the millennial generation, um, the younger millennials, yeah. and you know people, maybe your older brother, maybe, um, God forbid, your parents at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's <laughs> probably. Oh, yeah. man. Um, 
get a group of them in a room somehow and just hit play and listen to the words come out of the speakers. Do you have the time? And watch what happens. Watch the whole room start singing <laughs> like like it's their song. It's great. It's good yeah, times. It's great. You'll see if you grew up if you grew up in the nineties, that 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 line right there just starts starts chaos is what it starts. Just chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Matthew, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Uh, and audiences, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week as we talk about Let It Be Naked and the Beatles and uh, maybe even Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We'll see. And uh, enjoy your week and good journey. Goodbye. Well, I heard you crying loud All the way across town You've been searching for that song